if I get caught off guard by I would die for you, initially I just get a heart swell, an echo, the strongest echo of how I felt as a little kid on her first flight. And now it's time to play it back. I'm John Asante. And I'm Gia Jung. On each episode of Play It Back, we explore how the power of music connects us with others, influences monumental life decisions, and fans the flames of unabashed obsessions. We do that all through talking about how we discover the songs we love, hate, and appreciate. 2016 has already robbed us of so many iconic musicians. I mean, the list is ever-growing. David Bowie, Merle Haggard, Fife Dog from A Tribe Called Quest, the one and only Prince. We're dedicating this whole episode to the man who appeared to be immortal, but has left us far too soon. Prince Rogers Nelson died on April 21st at 57 years old. 57! And if you saw a recent picture of him, you'd guess that man drank from the Fountain of Youth. Seriously, Google Prince passport photo. He looks impeccable. So we're still reeling from the loss of a legend, a visionary, a sex symbol, a man who challenged the music industry, who was in control of his own content, and his persona, who knew no boundaries, whose music bridged divides and connected us, blending funk, soul, rock, R&B, pop, and I'm sure a bunch of other genres that could just go on and on about. And he created these lyrics that were just laced with love and sorrow and pain and pleasure. Prince, the purple one, the artist formerly known as Prince, no matter how you remembered him, his passion for music was undeniable. He influenced many of us to just be us, just to be our best selves. And all his work can't be summed up into one episode of our podcast, or really any podcast. But here at Play It Back, we know that everyone has a Prince story. I still remember driving around the suburb just outside Atlanta that I finished high school in with my best friends Chris and Christian. During our junior and senior years, we listened to the very best of Prince album, Front to Back. Chris would play Raspberry Beret and When Doves Cry and Kiss, like, on repeat. And I didn't mind it one bit. I mean, my mom had played some Prince songs here and there, but this was funny because it was just us three kids, these three black guys grooving along to this wild, sexually charged music. You know, you're going to hear a lot of analysis here and there about what may have caused his death and what Prince's legacy will be. But what we want to touch on are the memories and the lasting impression Prince's body of work had on all of us, music lovers and just everyday people alike. I'm going to turn to my co-host, Gia Jung, because Prince certainly had an influence on her life. This story is going to be a little bit different from our usual setup, which is more dynamic, a conversation and everything. It's kind of self-contained. It's really a reflection, a memory, and now just a tribute because of the circumstances. Hope you enjoy it. In 1986, I was five years old, mid-flight to Seoul, Korea, from Boston. It's because my dad had just discovered his family 44 whole years after being displaced by the Korean War and being separated from them, and now we were all going to meet them. Back then, it took 22 hours. It takes 11 hours now to get there. So after we had all our little airplane meals and soda, played in the aisle and napped and did it all over again, the only thing left was a whole lot of listening to airplane radio just out of the armrests. The same thing that it is today. Like there's no way for them to update that technology really. I guess they have the screens, but 
even the airplanes with screens still have that little hole where you can plug in headphones and listen to a bunch of radio stations right out of your armrest. Anyway, there was a whole lot of listening to airplane radio while staring out the window, and everyone else would be sleeping. I love how airplane radio really hasn't changed, by the way. The sound quality is shitty. It's relayed through these even shittier headphones, but somehow it's just transporting when you need stimulation, but also relaxation at the same time. Like elevator music, it's airplane music. It's its own thing. And you can discover a lot of good indie or international stuff, actually, by listening to it. And even if you hear hits that you've heard a thousand times on the ground, I think even those sound different. So at one point on this flight, we were just cruising through towers of clouds. I don't think I've seen anything like that since. And these clouds were just golden from the sun that was above the clouds. I imagine from the earth, the sky would have just looked gray and cloudy because they were really thick. These clouds were so thick and tall that you wouldn't have been able to see the light from down there on earth. It was just for us on the plane or anybody who was up in the sky. Then, through the headphones, I Would Die For You by Prince came on. I guess that the movie Purple Rain, the soundtrack of which featured this song, amongst other more famous songs like One Dove's Cry, Purple Rain, both the movie and its soundtrack, had been out for a couple of years by the time I heard it, but I definitely hadn't been exposed to it because, first of all, I was basically a toddler, and we also didn't really listen to the radio in the house, maybe NPR, maybe classical radio, not really rock or pop. And I also didn't commute with a parent, so I didn't hear any hits through a car radio or anything like that. But I would die for you. The for you, by the way, spelled with the number four and the letter U, like some people do through internet and texting shorthand nowadays, proving Prince was always totally ahead of his time. This song had a little red Corvette type of feel, you know? You know what I'm talking about. There I was, only five years old, in kindergarten, and there's something about that pulsing foundation and those snappy synth drum claps, combining with that whistling airplane noise. And those emotional chords, and then Prince's voice echoing into the reverb, so famous to the 80s, and those lyrics, I'm not your love, I'm not your friend. I am something that you'll never comprehend. No need to worry, no need to cry. I'm your Messiah and you're the reason why I could. It was like a digital sound in an analog time, probably rendered through analog machine that would become the sound that everyone tries to perfect, imitate, build upon, chop and screw with 
all the technologies today and just can't. These sounds that we think are just so new today and I'm so glad I'm just old enough to remember what that future sound felt like back then and to have the memory to compare and legitimately feel like, no, that song is still fresher and more futuristic than anything coming out today. And only later would I truly understand that the words were about transcending definition to embody infinite love. But honestly, even at my young age, that music and those lyrics did make me feel reflective. I remember it. Like I remember actually reflecting on the experience of the feelings I was having, the feelings that were being evoked, namely nostalgia and longing after five whole years of life. It didn't matter that I'd barely lived yet. It was in me, these feelings, on the level of the human animal. I understood where this music was coming from. And in doing so, I probably grew up a little faster in that moment. Of course, intensifying things was the fact that right then some pre-adolescent punk with the voice screechy because it was just about the change was like, look, it's God. And I was all, where, where? I was just looking all around, completely gullible. And the kid was just snickering there with all his pimples disappearing into his dimples. But in the end, I couldn't be bothered. Where is God? The answer was Prince in my ears. That was the first time that I connected music with a life experience. Not, oh, I sing this song with mommy and daddy. Or, oh, this song is on Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street. Or, oh, we sang this in class. I know all the words. I'm talking about music making me feel like I was growing and changing as the song played and having the perspective in the moment to realize that this moment was important and that I'd remember it and the song as one together forever. I'd always love that song out of all the others of his. When I was still in elementary school and it occurred to my sister and me to start listening to the radio ourselves, I'd be so glad to hear it play, even if by then it was in the 90s. So I Would Die For You was almost like a new oldie, you know. For some reason, it never occurred to me to buy the album, probably because I was kind of sheltered or at least insulated circumstantially. Internet was still a good decade from reaching the mainstream. We didn't have cable, so I did not see prints on music television. And in fact, I think that's why I owned a Paula Abdul tape, because I'd seen her on a Diet Coke commercial on network TV back then when you could just plug a TV into an electrical socket and get something, no matter how fuzzy. And I just had to have her, you know? On top of this, I lived in a small town, so Prince wasn't on concert posters. There weren't even music stores for concert posters to be up on. And as a little kid, I actually didn't know about music magazines that might have featured him. In fact, my town didn't even have a CD store until I was in high school, by which time I was preoccupied with the Cranberries, Tori Amos, Ani DeFranco, Gin Blossoms. For Prince, this was also a dark period I don't like to admit to go back to when he went into his unpronounceable symbol phase. And I kind of ridiculed him and felt repulsed by him, and really, really sick of the songs Kiss, even When Doves Cry, 1999, also sick of it, right up through the year when 1999 turned into the year 2000. For some reason, I didn't see the conflict during this time between my love of I Would Die For You 
and my disdain for the artist formerly known as Prince. But anyway, there was something special about the fact that I only ever enjoyed the song when it happened to play live, as in just broadcasted over radio since there are no downloads or podcasts or streams back then. Everyone, everyone was at the mercy of local radio DJs. It's so weird that we all forget that. Streaming was unheard of. We had to listen to what was on the radio and we would pray that the DJ would just play what we wanted when we wanted to hear it or that if we called in, they'd actually answer and then they would play our request. That's how it was back then, everyone. It was the most passive way of consuming music. So the good side of this is that it was a complete surrender to the experience of just listening to music that made it a real treat, you know, to not be able to just look it up or stream it or download it or even spin it on a record or CD or tape player. And when it came onto the radio, I'd just shut down, space out, and feel like I did when I was five years old on that airplane. I'd feel like I was actually back on that plane too, which was significant because I wouldn't have the chance to enjoy air travel again until I was basically in my senior year of high school. Finally, in college, when I was of course looking up and purchasing all kinds of new and old music, there are plenty of places now to buy it near UC Berkeley, where I went, like Amoeba, Rasputin, which are still standing, thank God, And this was that small window of time in which CDs, cassette tapes, vinyls, and rampant Napster downloads were all totally viable and desirable and accessible means of consuming music and movies. I was also going to as many concerts as possible and discovering music movies, not just music videos, whole movies just centered around music, musicians, music performance. I was like, what? I finally found and viewed Purple Rain on VHS, no less. It was on the shelf of random VHS movies at the boarding house where I lived, where people had come and gone, leaving some, taking others. Turns out the film was a semi-autobiographical movie that gave rise to all this music. The song I loved so much and all these other famous songs were from this one film. This is one of the rare things when the music was made just for the movie and vice versa, as with Simon and Garfunkel and The Graduate or Cat Stevens with Harold and Maude. So it was really important that I did see it. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that basically I Would Die For You plays at a climactic, well, one of many climactic parts of the movie. It's a concert scene when Prince comes out wearing what looks like a friggin' horse-riding blouse for women made by Ralph Lauren, and yet He looks gender transcendent. You know, you don't even consider his sexuality. He just is sex and he is sexy. There's no, oh, he's gay, straight, bi, transgender, queer. He's trying to be this or that. He's just prince. And the music starts up and the audience is clapping in unison. And a special girl is nodding to the beat and all that. And this concert is spliced with key scenes of him having pivotal moments with his father Basically, throughout the movie, Prince struggles with his relationship with his father. And as this song plays, he's both surrendering to and breaking free from this ultra-tense situation with his now ailing father. By the time I saw this, my own dad had been gone only a few years. So the whole father tribute thing just deepened my identification with both the song and the artist in the hugest way. So the first time... 
John, that you and I were working on this and fleshing it out, I'd just begun my former job at ASCAP, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, one of the major national performance rights organizations, which basically collects licensing fees from music users like radio, TV, streaming services to pay songwriters who aren't always the artist who you see on stage. And it made me so happy that Prince was a member, though a short while later he switched membership, but only after decades with ASCAP. Not only that, in this job I found out that airplane radio is a real thing. When we listed music usage by medium and counted up all the dollars and cents entitled for plays, airplane is right up there with radio, cable TV, live concerts, and film. I mean, people are listening on the plane, not just watching stuff, not just passing out. They're listening to radio on the plane. So in a way, I developed a really full circle understanding about the song on every informational level by that point. Anyway, to this day, if I get caught off guard by I Would Die For You playing at a store or on the radio, it hasn't happened on a plane again, unfortunately. I don't know what that would be like. Either way, my overriding response to that song is emotional down to my soul. And it's not because of all the things you'd think. I mean, when I hear it, I don't think about the movie scene or romance or identity or even my late father, even if he was the reason I was on the plane that day. Initially, I just get a heart swell, an echo, the strongest echo of how I felt as a little kid on her first flight. Yeah, I would die for you at 40,000 feet, somewhere between the U.S. and Korea, when Korea was going from being a post-war nation to a major economic power, with skyscrapers and dirt roads in between. It was one of the first times my universe, you know, my internal universe too, was really rocked. That was extremely powerful, Gia. Thanks so much for sharing. I literally spent the day of Prince's death listening to his whole discography on 89.3 The Current, the Minneapolis public radio station that absolutely loves him and that he, I'm sure, loved right back. And I was also wearing my Prince and Michael Jackson chain, and I happened to catch a bit of Purple Rain on MTV right after they played a whole bunch of his music videos. But now I need to go back and watch Purple Rain in full because of you. Play It Back is produced by me, John Asante. And me, Jia Jung. Amos Rose composed our theme music, and I'm sure Prince had a huge influence on him. You can find Amos's work at amosrosemusic.com. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, check us out on many platforms. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, you can follow us on SoundCloud, and people have been telling me they've been finding us on other apps, especially on Android devices that I'm still discovering. So just search for us, just type in Play It Back, and look for our names. You can also find us on Facebook at Play It Back and Twitter at Play It Back Radio. We've gathered lots of wonderful print stories and anecdotes shared all over the internet and posted them on our website. Check them out at playitbackradio.tumblr.com. Now, one last thing. Celebrate Prince's life. Grab a friend. Put on your favorite album or albums, songs, anything, playlist of his. If you can find the music, that is. Dance, share a story, and maybe you'll share one with us. We'd love to hear your story. 
shoot us an email at playitbackradio at gmail.com. Until next time, party like it's 1999.